In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. Um, as we were introducing at the introduction of the readings, um, this is the, the Coptic month of Tuba. It doesn't matter really what the name of it is, but the same way as the month that preceded Christmas, um, or the Nativity, um, all of the readings were pointing us and preparing us towards the Nativity. The same way that in the month that just follows that, so after the month that, of, of the Nativity, which is Kiah, is the month of Tuba. During this month, we celebrated the baptism of Christ, which we often refer to as Theophany, the revealing of God. And all of the readings are pointing to the fact that God wishes to reveal himself to us. And so we find this gospel that is read also during Lent. It's also read on the last Sunday of Lent before Palm Sunday. The gospel of the opening of the eyes of the man who was born blind. And I want to ask you a question. Now, do you think if um, somebody walked by this guy and didn't notice he was blind and told him, and told him, uh, you know what, did you see how beautiful that is? And he would say, no. And the person would say, how come? And he would say, well, because I'm blind, duh, can't you see, right? Like, isn't it ironic? He wouldn't feel bad that he hasn't seen, that he can't see, because he was blind. And he didn't know anything other than to be blind, because he was born that way. So, if he couldn't find something, he could easily say, it's not my fault, I'm blind. Or if he missed something important, or he missed an important cue, or he missed to see something important, he could easily say, it's not my fault, because I was born blind. And the church is pointing us to the fact that we also were all born blind. Blind to what? Blind to the revelation of God. But through baptism and through chrismation, through the receiving of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has given us the ability to see God everywhere and in everything. And so, now we've lost that excuse to say, well, I'm blind. We're not blind anymore. And the greatest thing for us to be able to see is this very simple thing, which was mentioned in the Catholic epistle, which was St. John saying back what Jesus said in his final prayer. In Jesus' final prayer, in John 17, verse 3, he says, And this is everlasting life, that they know, may know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's it. And in, in St. John's epistle that we read today, he says, let me pull it up for you.
These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Period. It's an unconditional statement. He says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. As simple as that. Jesus was telling parables. And he's telling parables, tells the parable of the sower, tells many parables of them. He tells the parable of the sower. A sower went out to sow some seed. Some fell by the wayside, some on stony ground, some among thorns, and some on good ground. And the one on good ground yielded a crop 30, 60, and 100 fold. And the crowds are like, yeah, like obviously. Like he was telling them, like, you know, like, you know, the Bathurst bus was coming down and it stopped at the bus stop. Like he was telling them something which they witnessed in their day to day that was just a normal occurrence that they saw all the time. You know, nothing, nothing new, nothing spectacular, nothing strange, you know. He was telling them that in Toronto, one day it's minus 20 and the next day it's plus four, right? Nothing to be surprised about. Just run-of-the-mill Canadian weather. One day it's like this, one day it's like that. So the disciples are telling Jesus, what are you talking about? Why are you talking to them in parables? And Jesus says something to them. And we repeat it in the litany of the gospel, which we pray every time we pray a gospel. And I fear that, I fear that maybe we, we haven't grasped this very simple truth that the church has put for us to repeat over and over and over again. Because, but I fear we, maybe we haven't grasped it. He says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of God, but to them it is given in parables. Why? Because having eyes they do not see, and having ears they do not hear, and having hearts they do not understand, lest they should turn and I should heal them. Well, that's confusing. Jesus is quoting Isaiah. What does all of that mean? It's very simple. Why does he say to his disciples, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to them it is given in parables. What's the difference between the multitudes and the disciples? Well, what makes a disciple? How do you become a disciple? What do you do? What is a disciple? So he's a follower of Jesus, right? He left everything and followed Jesus. Why did he leave everything and follow Jesus? Because he believed. When you believe, it gives you eyes to see things that other people can't see. I've given this example before, but it's the only one that comes to my mind right now. When we were house shopping the first time, we shopped everywhere. I mean, we shopped everywhere downtown, wanted to be close, of course, and we couldn't find anything. So we moved out, you know, east-west sort of, right? A little bit east, a little bit west, a little bit east, a little bit west, and so on. We found ourselves like at Pickering, still not able to find anything that we can afford. So we said, why don't we start looking north? So we started looking north. We looked in Aurora, 
And in Aurora, we found, we went to go see this house. The morning we went out house shopping, we'd been house shopping for nine months. Every house we walk into, like every other guy probably sitting here, I walk into the house and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm, I could live here. And Mary's like, no, of course we can't live here. I mean, it has this, it has this, it has all these things, right? And the next house. So after nine months of me seeing plenty of houses that were just fine, that I thought I could live in, I was pretty fed up. And I kind of, I kind of started, I was praying and asking God, is Mary ever going to choose a house? And I almost felt like God was telling me, no, man, you have to choose the house that she wants because she's not going to choose it because she doesn't want to bear the responsibility of the choice. I don't know if this is true. I'll ask her one day or maybe she'll hear the sermon and, 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 and call me out on it. She doesn't want to bear the responsibility of the choice. You have to choose, but you have to choose that which would please her heart. Okay, so I sent myself on a mission to figure out exactly what were her criteria and then choose a house. So we walk into this house. The walls, as you walk in, are avocado green, okay? And there was like dog poo on a rug in the hall. There's a van outside in the driveway with three of its four tires flat and a shoe, a single shoe on the driveway. What happened to the other shoe? Nobody knows, right? You know? Anyways, right? We go upstairs, we go downstairs, the, the kitchen is this orange color, it was, it was, it was quite horrific. <clears throat> but I had done lots of house rentals in the past, so I don't even look at paint colors, and I don't look at how dirty it is, and I don't look at, that. I don't look at any of that. I go to the basement, I wanna see the nuts and bolts of the house, I wanna see the bones, I wanna see the electrical, the plumbing, and then I wanna see the things I can't change. Mary wanted a ravine or a walkout. You know what I mean? What am I gonna do? Displace the neighbors that are behind us, right? So this had a lake behind it, it was great. So I, I, we walk out, and I'm like, Mary, this is the one. And my real estate agent and Mary look at me and burst out laughing. They burst out laughing, right? They didn't have eyes to see. They couldn't believe that this was the one. Well, lo and behold, we bought the house. We paid about $1,300 in paint. Yeah, a lot of paint, right? We put a backsplash and a this and a that. And it was a great house. And we lived there for three years. And we would have never moved, moved out of that house if it wasn't so far from church. And God gave us to move a little bit closer. Glory be to him. But... The point is, is that unless you've been there, unless, you've, unless you believe, you don't see. Unless you believe, you get put off by point co- paint colors and dog poo and somebody's car with flat tires that is going to get moved out of there anyways, right? Unless you have eyes to see. See, God has eyes to see. He has eyes to see through all of my sins and see a saint inside. But I, I dismiss people. I see somebody and he's a little too loud, he's a little too this, he's a little too that. I dismiss them. I don't have eyes to see. I see bread and wine. I don't have eyes to see flesh and blood. The gospel today is that God wants to give you and me eyes to see. But what's the difference between the multitude that hears parables that sound like Jesus is just describing normal day-to-day life 
and the disciples who are edified to, to follow the kingdom of God. One believes, one doesn't. One believes that there's more there. Jesus isn't just talking about day-to-day -day practices of sowing seed. He's talking about something more. So they ask him, what, you, what are you talking about? They know Jesus, when he talks, he says something meaningful. They believe. So God is calling to you and he's calling to me. He's reaching into you and into me and he's telling you, be blind no more. Yes, I was born blind. But be blind no more. Jesus is reaching deep into each one of us. And he's saying to us the same thing that he said to that blind man after he was healed when they threw him out of the temple. He was evidence of the divinity of Christ. He was evidence that Jesus is the creator because he didn't have eyeballs. Jesus didn't fix his eyes. He created eyes for him. Jesus is the creator. And, and this man was evidence of it. So they threw him out of the temple. Right? Out of sight, out of mind. We don't want you here. They throw him out of the temple and Jesus goes and finds him and he says to him and he asks him a question that he's asking me and he's asking you. Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you know what the right answer is? The right answer was given to us in the gospel. The right answer is not no, <laughs> obviously. The right answer is not Yes, the right answer was given to us in the gospel. Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus is calling you and calling me to start every day this week. Let's make, let's make ourselves a deal, okay? Anytime I want to remember something, I buddy it to something I know I'm going to do that day. So let's buddy this question that we're going to ask of God all week long to an action every time you start. If you want to start to believe in him, I consider myself a beginner. I've read all the beginner books on spirituality because I consider myself a beginner. And if I want to start to believe in him, let's say every time I start doing anything, when I start making myself a coffee, when I start making myself some breakfast, when I start tying my shoes, when I start my car, when I start anything I'm going to start this week, I'm going to ask God a question. The same question this blind man asked Jesus, the same question that Saul of Tarsus, when blinded, asked of God Lord, who are you? Lord, who are you that I may believe in you? Can we do that? Let's do that together this week. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me. My fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, please pray for me.